Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. Today on the Photoactive podcast, I've got two things going on. One, Kirk was unable to make today's recording, and so we will miss him greatly. However, we have a special return guest. Uh, William Neal is here to talk about a brand new book that he's written called The Photographer's Portfolio Development Workshop. Uh, If you remember, we had William on, I believe it was last year or maybe the year before, and we are so happy to have him back. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Enjoyed our discussion last time and ready to uh, discuss this new book. Excellent. Well, before we get to the book itself, let's talk about portfolios in general. So I have a section on my website that's called Portfolio for lack of a better term. And it's mostly a collection of photos that show some of my talents. But I don't really consider that a portfolio. Like what constitutes a portfolio to you? Well, it is a broad term. And, and you know, the way a lot of people use it, like you're describing your uh, web page, it's, it's pretty broad. It's a collection of images. Often for a lot of my uh, clients, it's location, trips, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're uh, you know, it kind of depends what kind of what part of the photography business you're in. If you're presenting your work to clients for a job, that's an important portfolio for business, and it's you know maybe not so broad. Your focus the portfolio to the client. Uh, or if I'm uh, working with a gallery, um, a fine art photography gallery, you know I'm editing differently than if I'm editing for a a broader based, you know, a slideshow like my web page. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a flexible term. I don't I don't have a hard definition, but what I talk about in the book is important and what you're talking about is is you know what is the context? Where is it being used? For me, portfolio has always seemed like a loaded term because I've heard advice of, well, you have to build your portfolio singular and this is going to be be the thing that represents you and you have to make sure that only the best things are there and you can't have too many things there. And it's hard to approach it in terms of what should I put in? Should I just do my landscape work? Should I just do portrait work? Do I show a mix? And one of the things that I like about what you say in this book is it sounds as if like you don't have to have a portfolio. That can be one thing. But you can have several different portfolios, basically just a way of expressing what your what your photography is like in maybe different contexts. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and it can be context-oriented, like I mentioned, or it can be passion-oriented. I love waterfalls, and gosh darn it, I'm going to do a portfolio on waterfalls from everywhere in the planet. And that's the biggest thing I think a lot of photographers need help with is kind of focusing their passions. Most photographers are generalists. They like to photograph people sometimes and landscapes other times and, you know, our our dinner plate at a fancy restaurant and, you know, silly things like that. I mean, but, you know, it, it just depends um, where you're going with it. And then passion is the thing I keep going back to when people, you know, want to know how, how to get started is just ask yourself, what do you love to photograph? Where do you love to be? And that helps quite a bit. 
And it's and it goes yeah. beyond like location. So many people photograph when they travel. Well, here's Bermuda and here's Iceland and um my portfolios are more kind of broad and and my favorite portfolios called landscapes of the spirit. And that's a pretty broad term, but I'm a landscape photographer. I specialize in intimate landscapes and therefore it it has meaning to me as a as a focal point, but it also allows all kinds of photographs to be included. But mm-hmm. it's but you know with a, a good um artist statement and introduction to why this subject is important that really can help you um, understand what you're trying to say. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, what, what are you passionate about and what are you trying to say about that? Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed in the book, uh, you talk about theme a lot. And again, I, I think maybe this is because I've not really, I've not really done the work to really think about putting a portfolio together. I mean, like I said, like I just found some good shots and put them up as a representative sample and never really considered theme. Is that just, as you said, like maybe this one idea, this is where I sound inferior because it's not really something that I had thought about. And yet it seems to be a lot more important than maybe some other people think. Well, I think it's uh it's partly a matter of, uh, you know, focusing on what you love to do, but it's also an efficiency. So if you're just scattered and photographing a little bit of everything, um, your portfolios, if you try to put something together, are going to going to be scattered. So I've found um, that people can look through their work, their whole library, and, and once you start thinking about it, well, here's the thread, here's the theme. Here's an idea I tried. Here's a place I went, waterfalls or wild or flower portraits or whatever it is. And I use collections in Lightroom extensively. And so every idea again gets a collection. And it sometimes it dies and sometimes it builds up. But you can start putting um all your waterfalls in, in one collection and and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As someone who's written uh, quite a bit about using uh, keywords and organizing your library, getting to that section of the book where you're talking about building collections and smart collections and making sure you have good keywords so that when you do do this review, then it's so much easier to find your best shots. And you know, it feels like so many people just, just skip past that. And then when you come to this point where you say, I think I need to put together a portfolio, you're really just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and maybe I think there were some waterfalls on that trip that I took to Hawaii here that shots and so that was personally very gratifying <laughs> to have you reinforce that. Well yeah and pe- some people don't like the keyword and I said here's the reason why you should and, and well, hopefully they do that. The the whole the book gener was generated from lessons I wrote in two thousand five. And I used to teach for the really the the pioneering online teaching program betterphoto.com. And there were dozens of instructors and you know, maybe a hundred courses. And mm-hmm. I decided that not being a very technical photographer, that editing and organization was something I could do to really help people. And I didn't really know how it would work. But I wrote the lessons and launched the course. And I had students, you know, 
where I was giving them feedback every week on assignments. And I taught it for eight years. And I consistently saw people get more refined. Once you start to group images and you look at them, say, in the survey mode, you go, you know, what is that doing, image doing in there? That's not, it's not my best stuff. But once you start visually, you know, portraying that theme idea, you can see repetition. God, there's too many sand dunes in this Death Valley portfolio. And I've got a, where's my stuff from Titus Canyon or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you, you can um, uh, explore your library. And then if you're motivated enough, you go, you know, make new photographs. Well, I better go some, to some other places to expand on this idea or make a trip that, you know, may not even be a trip to uh, work on one theme. You go, if I go travel to New England in the fall, I'm going to, photographs are going to end up in a bunch of different categories. I might have uh, fall reflection ripple abstracts that go in my ripple portfolio and uh, forests of light images that go in a uh, portfolio idea, idea I have with that title. So mm -hmm. things get, um, it doesn't mean you have to narrow your interests. You just, you know, you go on a trip and you come back and you see, you know, two or three or four or five collection uh, ideas, theme ideas, and you start funneling them in. I, I love that idea of of directedness because I think a lot of times it's easy to just go to a location and I'm just going to shoot what I see, or maybe I have a couple of different uh, spots that I know of that I that I want to go shoot a sunrise or something. And having something larger than that, like just having some direction of saying, oh, you know what? I really want to fill out my waterfall portfolios. Where are some waterfalls around here? Maybe something that I don't know about. Photograph them in different seasons or different light. You know, I was use flat light. I'm going to, where's the sun going to come up and hit that waterfall? Or can I come back to this spot in the winter or when the trees are bare or when the trees are leafing out or those sorts of things? Yeah. Well, and also, like, it just gives you a lot more options at the time, too. If if you get somewhere and the light isn't what you expected, or maybe, uh, you know, you went to shoot waterfalls, but it's been a really dry summer, and so there's very little water going through, you can have something at hand that you know, okay, I need to look for something else. Oh, I really wanted to do some some, you know, macro leaf uh, shooting. So let me go look for that rather than just sort of showing up and saying, well, the shot that I wanted isn't here. I'll kind of wander around and see if I can find something else. But, uh, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Just having having a plan seems to make a huge difference. Yeah. But it, if it's a passion of yours, you're going to gravitate to those things anyway. Mm -hmm. so you go on a trip and you, you started a portfolio idea and you you didn't even think about you know planning particularly you know that mm -hmm. that those interests have gravity and they pull you in those directions and what happened when i taught this course online and this probably worked for anybody reading the book is that you can't just wait for a trip so i would have students for eight weeks and the, i had a, a woman who wanted to do a portfolio on national park she was in 
North Carolina. And she didn't really like where she lived to photograph. I have to go somewhere else to photograph because that's where the national parks are. I said, well, that's great. But if you really want to learn this process, try to find something local that you can you know, do your assignments on that topic while we're doing the eight-week course. And so she resisted. Yeah, I don't like where I live. And, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I persisted gently. And she found a, a, a mill, an old uh, a grain mill mm-hmm. with the water wheel and the whole classic bit. And it was, it was active. There was somebody running. Oh. Somebody was grinding corn. And it was in a beautiful, you know, on a stream, obviously, and in the forest. And she's, well, okay, I'll do, I'll, I'll photograph this. And by the time the eight weeks were over, she killed it. <laughs> she got to know the person there. She had photographs uh, from, uh, you know, the broad view showing the place and details of the water wheel. And I'm encouraging encouraging her to uh, vary the scale. You know, vary, you know, don't just take a bunch of postcard wide shots, just get in there. And then she got engaged in it enough. She got to know the owner and she got inside and she, you know, expanded her, like any good journalist is going to, Hey, what's you got going here? And, and kind of yeah, uh, talk and learn about the person and expand the story. So it's a, it is, becomes a storytelling sort of process, even if it's waterfalls or, uh, you know, old classic grinding mills. Do you find when you're going through uh, that that process of looking through your library for for possibilities, um, you or your students, do you find themes that you didn't expect to be there? Do you you know do you go through and say, "Wow, I actually take a whole lot of shots of uh, you know carpentry tools or something like that"? Oh yeah, there there can always be little discoveries. It, it happens to to all of us, I think. And you, you don't, mm-hmm. um, until you go through a, a, a process like is talked about in this book, you don't take the time to think about it. What, what do I have to say? You know, what do I, do I have more photographs of tools or, you know, whatever direction it might be. And then you, you um, start pulling images in, you start thinking about going to um, uh, a flea market and looking for, you know, old stuff to, to collect and photograph that sort of thing. Yeah. So one thing I want to ask about is that process of of editing and and finding good shots. There's there's a quote that I want to read from the book that I love, uh, where you're talking about uh, grouping photos together and, and and finding the ones to to put in a portfolio. And you say there should be no one image that is of lesser quality than another. In any situation where you show your work, great images can be diluted by the average images you might use to fill out your presentation, and the overall impression of your photography is reduced. I really like that because we think of, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is a a good one, but I like it more because of of you know the experience that I had there, and I think we tend to think that well. The ones that are really good, those are gonna gonna shine. But then this one kind of fits, but that one could be bringing the whole thing down. 
Yeah, well, I've, I see that consistently over all the years. I, I taught that course online and still do where um, the context of a, an experience kind of overwhelms the quality of the image as well. That was, a, I remember this about it, so I really had to include it. I said, well, it's, it's not as good as the other one. So, hmm. you know, and, the, and what you read, uh, what I wrote is is an ideal, you know, kind of put up there for, a target for all of us. I mean, I'm sure just about everybody could look at a portfolio of uh, my images and find some that they think are lesser than the other. So it's a subjective, highly subjective thing. And for people that don't, you know, aren't sure about their work and kind of learning and getting started, you know, having a somebody who will do a, a photo review, there's lots of those being offered now. And, and um, even if you were able to work with someone, uh, and tell them what the assignment is. Here's here's a set of ten photographs. Does it, you know, does it hold up? Mm-hmm. Stay in that quality level. Yeah. There's and there are contexts like storytelling where a lesser photograph, you know, graphically light wise. I mean, ideally, all those things are working, but some more journalistic type stories need placement. You know, so you, the viewer knows where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it's all abstracts, you know, it's you know, that's not so much necessary. So it's a, it's a circular loop process where you, you know, you see what, what you like and you just keep narrowing it down and narrowing it down um, and get feedback from other people, narrow it down some more, shoot some more, add more, see, you know, and the, and the, the Lightroom's capability of just putting it, everything up on a screen. Like I said, survey mode is something I use constantly. I use it to look at a group of images um, from a shoot, from one shoot. Like I have a, some photographs I've been working on of cream flowing into the ocean. And, you know, I'll take 10 of my favorites. Of, I mean, I'll, I'll shoot a lot of them with moving water and put them up on the screen. And you'll see nuances just within similar images from a shoot that you, you can use the compare mode, look at two, you know, side by side. But I usually start wider survey. 10 images on the screen, you know, and get it. And then I rate as I go. So the ones that are remaining on the screen might get bumped up in their star rating or something. And then mm-hmm. I can go back and now I'm down to five. But the ba- basic principle from the quote is, the, is that, um, you know, you try to set a standard of quality wherever you're at. There's, you know, we're all at different levels. It doesn't matter what, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm not good enough. You can't, you know, be too hard on yourself, but you know wherever you're at, you know these are my best images. And if you're unsure, then yeah. then you need to get get some feedback from you know photographers you admire or your or your camera club or whatever it might be. Yeah, well, I think that that also ties into the idea of uh, being able to to go back out and shoot things. So if you let's say you narrow things down, you're using this, the, the survey mode, and you say you know i've got i've got three really good waterfall images and i can see why i like those but i'd really like some more but these others aren't quite there that gives you the incentive to oh now i know what to look for i know how i i would like to fill those spots with some waterfall images and that gives you a little again more direction to go out and 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 try to make those shots you have you have your core group and and it's pretty common you know you put 10, 20 images up on the screen. And and if you start getting pretty uh, hard on yourself, you know, you, you get it down 
to 10 maybe or eight. And, you know, you feel like you're losing something, you know, you kind of, I thought I was further along than that. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, if it's three, if it's eight, whatever it is, you have a core. And, you know, and I talked to people a lot in, in this development of, of, um, of variety, you know, because it, one, you could have a really narrow focus and they're all, you know, details of waterfalls. Or if your your theme idea is broader, it could, you know, like I said earlier, changing scale, changing seasons, um, types of light, backlight, yeah, uh, aiming up, aiming down, all the different things we do in in composition, you know, can can uh, add variety to a portfolio. Mm-hmm. But there are other portfolios, you know, sometimes you just want all a narrow point of view. Yeah, and I, I have a couple of friends that are coming out with books that one is sand dunes and they're all like 600 millimeter sand dune photograph and another friend they happen to be friends is is doing a book of water ripples water abstract a whole book full of yeah you know and it's uh wow they're all different colors and patterns but it is very very narrow focus but it it um you know exploring a subject in depth is something that uh the process of thinking and themes gets you deeper into you know those those uh, visual explorations and varieties of things you wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't kind of channeled your, your energies. Yeah. If you look at my collections, you'll see a hundred of them. It's not like I'm, I'm so efficient. I have 10 and that's all I do is work on 10. (laughs) Man, I'm all over the map. And sometimes it's based on clients and I've got a gallery exhibit and I'm showing the gallery director or, um, you know, whatever uh, kind of purpose. It's not just um, a, fine art portfolio, for example. I was actually just about to ask that, uh, you know, is there like a, an ideal number of uh, photos for a portfolio? And it sounds like not really, like, I think I'm just sort of following, uh, I don't know, old lore or word of mouth where you're like, oh, you can't have more than 10 because who knows? Well, that's a, that's a question I get a lot and it's a good one. And it's, it's, to me, it all depends. And again, it goes back to context, like I was saying. So if you're going into a, a fine art photography gallery or a place that, or an art gallery in general, you know, 10 or 15 might be the right number. Just, mm-hmm. they don't want to see that you, you know, have a little bit of everything. They want to see that you have explored a subject in depth. Uh, but if you're make, making a book, you know, 15 images is usually not enough. Mm-hmm. Know, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 75, maybe more. Uh, if you're building a web portfolio and you get all your images and you end up, it ends up being 50 images that you love, and maybe they're all the same quality and you uh, start showing a viewer uh, or you, you tr- pretend you're the viewer. You start going through your slideshow as if somebody else is looking at it. And just even if you look at each one for one second, you know, that's a lot to digest so mm-hmm. just a rough very rough no set rules you know maybe 20 or 30 on you know per theme or something but at least if you have you have refined themes you know they can explore those things um and separate them out for for the viewer to digest in in subset of theme yeah well and it also sounds like the more you do this the better you get at it as with so many things in in photography. Uh, one thing I want to point out here is 
this book is very much a, a workshop. It's not the photographer's portfolio book. It's structured very much with lessons and assignments and uh, you know, it, it's it's very task based. Did did you do it that way just because that's that's what the course was, or have you found that that's just a, a better way to approach this topic? Well, that was what the uh, online course was about. It was an eight week in depth course, so and it's an incremental thing. Sometimes you get in the middle of this course, and you know, it's basically telling you to shoot more and and edit again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't spend the focus to to add to build the depth up, and it takes. In this case, it's just a um, a practice run, you know, eight lessons to build up depth into a portfolio, past work, new work, quality control, and see what you come up with. And it's a lot of students I have, you know, really said it's helped them with, with every, you know, idea they pursue, be my idea. So the book is The Photographer's Portfolio Development Workshop. Uh, how much is it? Where can we find it? And uh, how can we get a special deal? Well, it's uh, uh, $30. And you can get it on Amazon uh, pretty much everywhere in the world. Um, the My favorite place to get it is Rocky Nook itself because it's, it's good for the artist, me, and good for the publisher to buy directly through them. And the uh, discount code is WNEILL40. And it gets you 40% off. So for um, going to Rocky Nook's site for $23, you get the book and the PDF. So it's a great deal. Nice. Yeah. And it's great to have both options. Uh, a, because it's it's a beautiful book. I mean, obviously, this has a lot of your, your photos in it uh, that are gorgeous. So something that you want to have in hand, but also as a PDF, great thing to have in the field when you are uh, out shooting, need some inspiration, basically just having it anywhere you want. And at the back of the book, there's a worksheet that my editor developed, which was brilliant. And it it's basically lets you get started. It asks some questions, it have some lines to make notes where you, um, you know, if you're worried about getting this process started, you know, how do I teach myself a course? And this uh, will help you get started. The, the beginning chapter is how to use this book. And at the end, you have the worksheet on how to follow through on what's in the book. Thank you, William. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, it's time for snapshots. And in this case, you only get one snapshot because it's just for me. In our last episode, we talked about the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro and what that news meant. Kirk and I have both had iPhone 14 Pros in hand since pretty much the day that the last episode came out. And one of the signature features of the iPhone 14 Pro is the dynamic island. And the dynamic island is basically the little notch where the front-facing camera and sensor array is located. Uh, Rather than just having a notch that goes to the top of the screen, Apple's done some really interesting work to make that area, as it says, dynamic. Things will show up there So when you're playing music and you switch to another app, you'll see the artist and a little waveform. And if you touch and hold that location, then you get your controls. It's very cool and uh, intuitive. And of course, because developers are who they are, immediately there were a couple of very cool things 
that uh, people did. So one of the ones that I want to highlight is a little app called Hit the Island. And all it is is a Pong app. If you remember Pong, you have two little paddles and a ball that you have to bounce between them. And in this case, the island is one paddle or it's, it's like a target. And you just have to make sure that the ball that's bouncing goes and hits the island as many times as possible. Uh, it's cute. It's simple. It's something that's fantastic for taking your mind off of something. Maybe you're in the middle of a bus commute or just need a few minutes at the end of the day. Uh, it's just charming in the way that uh, third-party developers can be. So it's called Hit the Island. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's free, but you can spend two bucks to remove ads. I haven't actually seen any ads yet. Maybe they pop up as you get better. Uh, but it's it's adorable. It's charming. Oh, and I just want to reiterate that to get William's book for 40% off at Rocky Nook, use the code W-N-E-I-L-L-4-0, uh, W-N-E-L-40, uh, for 40% off. And we'll be giving away two copies of his book, courtesy of Rocky Nook, to people who are subscribed to our newsletter. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, we only use it to announce new episodes, so you only get one every two weeks. But we also use the list of subscribers for giveaways like this. So go to photoactive.co. That's where you'll find links to sign up for the newsletter. And uh, that's, of course, where you'll find everything else about Photoactive, including show notes, images that we talk about, and other assorted links. Until next time, when hopefully we will have a lot of iPhone 14 Pro images to share, have a good week. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast. 